But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back, everybody, to Value Adds Value. My name's Kyle Krieger, joined by my guy, Wilkie the Law of the Third. The third, Will, it's great to see you uh, in person, well, over Zoom. We haven't done this for a hot minute, but it is great to see you, man. Likewise, likewise, my brother. How are things going in the steel water? It's great, man. Um, you know, we we took that week uh, trip to the cabin right after school got out, which is something I really needed. It was, I mean, you know me, uh, and my wife knows me, I, I have a hard time setting my phone down but there were just it felt so good to be up there and there were long stretches where my my phone was in the cabin and I was just living living life and one thing we were kind of joking about was you know when we first started dating you know we would every time we would go somewhere we would take pictures and we would you know post it and do all that stuff and now we just are like no we don't really take pictures we're just hanging out and doing our things so that was great Mm -hmm. It's great, but uh, things are good here, man. What's good in the H? You know, man, just um, being hot. Besides being hot, um, yeah, uh, it has been, you know, this summer has been super duper awesome so far. Um, really can't say I've had one um, where I've, like, enjoyed the summer. But, you know, I'm teaching summer school, but that's been an enjoyment in and all of itself, um, working with kids, teaching music. So, you know, that's been my last three weeks. This We're ending up week three right now of the summer school. And I had nine kids participate in the Pharrell um, Your Voice is Power um, remix competition where they had to remix one of his songs. And um, that experience was just amazing to see what the kids came up with. And not only that, but to the, the social justice and, and racial inequity piece that's built into the conversation with the song was so amazing to see the kids be receptive to that and be able to articulate those things. So, you know, it's been, I'm going to say this part of my summer has been a summer of extreme growth. Uh, I completed three books already in three weeks, which is something that I have not done in a long time. Three books uh, already. I finished um, $40 million slave. Da, 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 the, the knowledge gap and oh, what is the other one completed the knowledge gap atomic habits and 40 million dollar slave nice um and it's just like i say two of them i started you know i started atomic habits and never completed it so i went ahead and completed it um that's been part of my morning routine you know 
uh, the 75 day challenge that I'm doing right now with uh, my buddy out in Austin, um, that you read 10 pages of nonfiction every day. You know, we're doing the Andy uh, Frizzelli. Yeah, yeah, Andy yeah. Frizzelli, yeah. Yeah, we're doing that 75 day challenge, you know, doing two a days, wake up in the morning, work out 10 pages. And I'm doing it double because I work out in the morning listening to my Audible while I'm doing my workout instead of listening to music. And then when I go back in the evening, I listen to Audible while I'm doing my workout. So, so I'm pretty excited about it, man. So it's been a summer of growth so far. It's good. That's what you hope it is. So um, along that vein, we were having our kind of typical chats, trying to reflect on the year. And, and in just talking about the podcast, we really want to narrow down to one or two questions each podcast because we feel like we write these 10 questions um, for a guest or for ourselves and we never get to them and it leaves us feeling a little empty. Um, so we really want to dive deep into some more of the questions the things that we're talking about. So this is the question you wrote for this episode. Um, what has this year taught us about ourselves, our kids and virtual relationships? So um, I'm going to let you lead and, and pick whichever one of those three you want to start with. Um, I think I'm going to start with my students <clears throat> because I feel like with them, I was an outsider observing them and observing not just my current students that I have, but through my past relationships, observing my now seventh graders and eighth graders. Uh, you know, those kids, and I, I observed them and I observed the amazing resilience and adapt adaptability that these students possess. Um, talk about making lim uh, lim lemonade out of lemons. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this group of kids, and, I, and I, I tell them this when I see them one on one, I say, guys, you know, as you're going off into high school, as you're going off into eighth grade, remember this you survived going to school in probably the worst time in American, in, in, in world history, global history, and you survived and you're still here. There is nothing you can't do. And so when I think about what it really kind of showed them is that I can kind of roll with the punches. You know, I, I've learned how to kind of navigate and move, shift my head from left to right as needed, you know, in order to get ahead, to get to where I need to be. And again, some of them, feel like they failed because some of them are in summer school now for promotional and they know they shouldn't be. But just the fact that them saying, I know I shouldn't be here to me says that there's still a lesson learned because you don't want to be here again. You know what I mean? So it's like you recognize, you recognizing that I shouldn't be here is already a win. Cause some people lose and feel like, Oh, I'm supposed to lose it. it you know, that, that's just what it is. No, when you recognize in my failure, I shouldn't be down here. Let me dust myself up, dust myself off, get up, and let's go get it again. I, you know, and resiliency was the exact word that I was going to use with it. Um, you know, because we we spent more time in virtual than I think you did. Mm -hmm. um, and the resiliency of not only the virtual students who stayed virtual, you know, the whole year um, to really be self-motivated to be self-driven um and to hold that in but um you know the resiliency of the kids who who came back after the virtual stint and and really 
you know, especially the ones that were in person for a while, then they switched to virtual, then they switched back to in person. I was just super impressed by the work that they did. Um, having to having to put up with those changes. And like you said, being adaptable and being flexible. The one thing, another thing I think I, I learned or I was taught about my kids is that, you know, they are still kids, you know, and we expected them to do adult things. And when they came back, like you, it's easy in schools to, to gloss over the social aspect. It's easy in schools to, not appreciate that but you just see when they're in person um how much it means to them to just be around people and to be social and to be doing doing those types of things um I thought that was really something that I learned about my kids that you know should be common sense it should be pretty straightforward for me to say like hey my kids really need this social interaction. My kids really need um, this time. And one other thing I'll add, especially um, in our area, because you know we've made it known that I teach in the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area, which has been a hot, hotbed's not the right word, but it's for a lot of the last year been the center of the universe. And a lot of it, you know, I have several kids that are, you know, live within blocks of what is now George Floyd Square, you know, where his murder actually happened. Um, and I learned just how capable kids are of processing and discussing that in respectful ways, which is something that I think is sorely lacking in adults is the ability to really talk and to listen. Um, and that was a lesson that my kids taught me is how to, I think back to what, you know, Chad Littlefield taught us about listening just to listen mm-hmm. versus listening with your response already prepped. And that was such a good lesson for me to really listen and also not feel like I need to interject in their, their conversations to let them have their conversations and let them kind of directed themselves that was a lesson um that i think is really good for me and and for teachers all over our our kids are capable of having tough conversations and doing it in a respectful way so those are the couple things that i think my kids really um taught me or i learned about them and i want to go back to something you said because you said that we can't overlook the social aspect of school You know, and I think that school and education in general, and I've said this for years, it in in and of itself is a social experiment. Um, You're bringing kids from different places, different economic backgrounds, different different financial places, different you know different um, different different cultural backgrounds, like from everywhere. I know at, at our school we you know we have kids from everywhere, all over the world, from, from Africa to Central America, to, to South America, to, to uh, India, to like, we have kids from all over. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you have that dynamic, it becomes a social experiment in what this country was designed to be. So what we do within these four walls of this school is create a safe place for kids to come and try out things 
and see where do I fit in and where 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 is it that that my role, how do I define my role in this this social experiment that that I, that I'm embarking on? And I think that when you overlook that and you think school is just sent just meant to be this this place where kids come and get knowledge. Well, one of the greatest knowledges they can get is the knowledge of themselves. And in order to find yourself, you have to surround yourself with others. And once you surround yourself with others and you figure out what your purpose is within you, now you know how you fit within them and which groups you fit within and which groups you do not. So it's like that is that kind of jockeying for who am I? What am I going to be? You know, I think every kid goes through those different phases where you're you're the intellectual when you're in elementary school because you want to run home and share that, you know, I was the only person in class that could count to 30. You know, I was the only one who knew four plus four is eight. You know, you start you start being that intellectual and, and chasing the learning. And then it becomes, you know, I have so many friends. And now in this age, we have so many likes and followers and subscribers and people who, who do this and all these different uh, social media jargon that, that's out there now to say that I, I'm connected, I'm, I'm, people know me. And so it's, it doesn't change as you grow older, it just keeps going and you keep trying to jockey to find yourself. So that social aspect of learning is so critical. And we have to really be free with our kids to let them know that it's okay to not know exactly who you wanna be yet. But it's not okay to not be seeking who you are. It's not okay to, 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 to just resolve yourself to be to be nothing, to just to just exist. When no, you should be trying to find out who you want to be. Do you want to be the jock? Do you want to be the intellect? Do you want to be the, the funny person? Do you want to be, you know, I told my group of kids this morning in our, in our uh, SEL moment, I said, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want this to be a bad day. Nobody wakes up that way. I'm sure even the meanest people on this planet don't wake up wanting it to be a bad day. What we really want is we want to have a great day. But then life happens. And I think the skills that these kids have learned, our kids have learned over this year and a half spell with, with COVID-19 has taught them how to adjust themselves, how to adapt to what life is going to throw them. And my hope is that as they go into their next, this next you know, next phase of their life, this next chapter, that they take those same skills that they learned and continue to apply it and not regress backwards and forget the lessons that were learned while you're in this. Mm. You know, and I think that's a great segue to the, you know, to the second part. And I'll, I'll pick to go to virtual relationships because, um, you know, I'm working on writing this a little bit because I think it's something that I, I want to explore more. But I mean, and I'll start like, you know, we would say we've got friends that we only primarily know through the internet. There are people that we only really know through there. And you assume that that relationship is tight. And and granted, we do have some tight relationships with people we've never met in person. But when I was teaching virtually, and then I went back to school, you know, for the last trimester of the year, it it was such a revelation for me um, and such a lesson in, in 
what that community piece means, what that what that face-to-face and personal interaction means in terms of building relationship. I forgot, I think what this year taught me is just how much you can pick up by watching kids. Mm. It it reminded me of that because, you know, and we can talk about, especially when it came to virtual student-teacher relationships, I mean, there most schools were not requiring kids to have their camera on. It was highly suggested. It was requested, mm-hmm. but you could never at, you know, you could never really say you need to have your camera on this or that or the other. And there are good reasons for that too, but there just is something about that in-person interaction. And even, even having to do in-person interactions at a distance is still um, monumentally more fulfilling is the word I would use. And and I don't want to dismiss the people who learn and teach virtually or the relationships I built with my virtual students. But, you know, some of those kids that I only taught virtually, they came for our graduation car parade. And it was the first time I'd seen some of them in person. Wow. And it was some of them, I was like, um, I think this is who you are, but I'm not exactly sure. And that really just, if anything, taught me. Because when the pandemic started, we were both like, man, this uh, this virtual teaching life is all right. You know, <laughs> we got a little more time. We got a little more of this, but I, I'm not built for that. And I think the challenge that it brings Again, we could say the idea of a virtual being a virtual teacher is great until you start thinking about the the, the principles that make teachers great. The teachers who, uh, who who are great are the teachers who are great at building relationships with those students. Mm-hmm. That is where um, our students. Um, that's where it, it, it separated those teachers who knew how to do that from the teachers who struggled with it. You know, we I, we have one teacher here who loved virtual, but she's the teacher who has the Etsy page. She has the, the teacher paid teacher account. She has the YouTube channel. She, she has this social media presence where she's doing, I mean, she had her own little slogan that, you know, webpage and everything already going before virtual. She had already done that. So she was comfortable doing that. And her kids loved her. There were kids who chose to stay virtual because they did not want to switch teachers because of the relationship that she built with them virtually. You know, so it's like, I think when you, when, when you think about where we kind of faltered is that we were trying to figure out, okay, how do I make these connections with these kids? Because so much of my game is the social piece. I can say not so much. I mean, my whole, t- I, I would be nothing if, if, if teaching was survivor, I would, my, my strong point is my social game. You know what I mean? That, that's where I win with kids is because when I get to know you and I let you know me, I, 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 that's my winning point. That's my selling point. And doing that virtually is a lot harder. Like you said, when they can't turn on their cameras. When, well, they're not told, they're mandated to turn on their camera. So you don't get to make that face-to-face connection. I don't know what, you could be, have your camera on and, and be doing something else, playing your video game, which a lot of the kids were. Or on their phone the whole time or right. this, that, or the other. And as I look back on it, I, 
I, I don't want to say regret, but you know, I feel like I could have given more to the virtual kids, but kind of like you said, I just didn't have the infrastructure. I didn't have the, the, the ability to really build a robust kind of virtual classroom. I just did the best I knew. I did the best I knew to, you know, the way I had been taught virtually, whereas like, here's the material. This is what I want you to, you know, ask about it, or this is what I want you to talk about it. And, and, and that's what it became. And with my full-time virtual kids, as the year progressed, we got less and less, and this was across every teacher, we got less and less participation. So for me, you know, I, a big part of my social studies class is in-person discussion. But I didn't do a lot of in-person discussion with them because it was me literally talking to two or three people while 30 other people sat there with their camera off. And, and I felt like, and I made the decision that the, for the overall, my kids are going to learn more if I just give them stuff to dig into give them assignments to do it and, and check in with them on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me, especially when I went back to school and got back to teaching my class the normal way. Then I really realized how, how little the way you teach an in-person class translates to teaching a virtual class. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't translate. It does, and, and again, but again, for those teachers who had adapted their classrooms to be that hybrid model early, it was an easy adaptation. Like I said, we had the hybrid model here. Our kids were were doing just as much work online as they were even last year before we had to go out. Yeah. So coming back this year, I felt fairly comfortable with it, with the platform and the formation of the of, of the assignments. Where I faltered at in the beginning was how do I connect? to a, a picture of a choking cat, you know, cause you know, I had the kids change their pictures when they came in. I said, change it to something that when I see you in person, I can always remember. And there was one girl who had a little choking cat. And so that was like our running joke the whole year when she came back face to face was the name of their group was, are you choking? And so it was like, a, you know, a throw to her. And so it's like once they got back here, building those relationships with those kids who were virtual, who were online, who did participate in what we were doing, that made a difference. But I could not imagine, you know, some of the teachers like we had who did the virtual, staying virtual all year long. Um, it just it, it, that wasn't my jam. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the bet the the benefits of it, which are many. I mean, like. There are many, like working from home, not, not, you know, doing all that stuff was great. I mean, mm -hmm. but to me in the long term, I, it's, it's not, it's not for me, but I'm glad to see that there are so many teachers out there that it is for. And so many students who can prosper in that environment. Like yeah. we can't, like, it wasn't just all bad, you know, it, it there, there yeah. are some definitely highlights and there are some kids who I feel are built for virtual learning. Yeah. I mean, and I had you, a lot you know, of kids. If, if you want to choose to go go start a business or if you're a competitive athlete in any kind of way, I can see how virtual could really be beneficial to that student and to that family if that's what they chose to do. Like I'm 100%, I'm on board for having a space 
for students and teachers alike to teach and learn in that virtual world. I think that will help turn this battleship that we're on of education a whole lot more in, you know, in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, because you are you are taking some of the kids who one don't learn well in a big group, or two also could be causing problems in a big group. You're taking them out of those situations, which you know makes the load easier on the teachers. But there are just I just had some kids that loved it because they don't want to deal with the drama. They don't want to deal with all of the nonsense that goes along with, you know, especially at the middle school level. Like there are some, you know, we had some of the kids that were just, you know, the maturity level of a 25 year old that were like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need this in my life right now. So that was good. So, all right, we got, we're, we're getting close to your time for your next class starting. So let's wrap it up with, and I'm gonna let you start this. What has this past year taught you about yourself? That anything is possible. Hmm. Um, that. We have to be what, what we speak, and we have to speak what we be. Um, our students are looking for authenticness. They're not looking for a replica of a teacher. They're not looking for someone who's a semblance of a teacher. They're looking for somebody who embodies the word teacher, educator, uh, growth agent, change agent. Like they're looking for someone to speak and be the same. Not this is who I am, but when I get home, I'm different. Or this is who I want to be, but when I leave the classroom, I'm something different. No. This year taught me more than anything that if you are here, the fact that I'm here as an educator means that my purpose and my job is to make sure I go after what's best for students. And I think at the end of the day, when you embody that, for your students. You set them up to see that example and see your authenticity, not saying you should go run out and wanna be a teacher, but you should wanna run out and be you because you saw me being my most authentic self. So I think the greatest thing that I learned is to continue to be my most authentic self, no matter what situation is thrown at me, just keep being true to me and present that to the students. You know, and, and I would really just second that, um, you know, that feeling of really being comfortable in my own skin, especially when it came to the classroom. Like I got to the point at the end of the year, I could write down three little notes on a note card and teach an entire class, like, and facilitate that discussion because I, I felt. Hold on just a minute. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, what I was saying was I, I got to a point where I felt so comfortable with what I was doing that I didn't have to have long notes written out and I didn't, didn't have to, you know, really script what I could say. I could go into a class and facilitate a conversation and, and, and really be comfortable letting the kids for the most part drive the train. Because I think, especially in the social studies, and as we continue to, you know, work with our kids to have these discussions, I I really learned about myself that I I can I can let go of a little more of those reins. Mm -hmm. I don't have to hold the reins so much, 
And when sticky situations arise, which they will, whether you're teaching or whether it's life, that I can keep my cool and handle it. I, I can handle these situations and I can turn them for good. And, and I really felt like this year taught me that I can get back to learning. Mm. Not that I ever got away from learning, but I can really get back to it, embrace it, and 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 do that. And this year on a personal level also taught me that even in the worst situation, I can still still be happy. You know, because for on all accounts, I had a pretty darn good year. You know, for going back to when the pandemic started, we you know we moved into our house kind of right as the pandemic ramped up. You know, so I got to spend the better part of a year with my wife every single day. You know, we were able, yeah, we were able to get married in a pandemic. We were able, and it's sort of like with those kids, we were able to build a, you know, like make a house together and plan a wedding together and start to balance everybody's schedules and um, to really feel like we could handle anything and you know me like any situation I look at I feel like I've got it you know like I just feel like yep I got it I can handle it but in a year like this where you were really tested on all fronts when it whether it was family or science or politics like I was able to handle the situation in a way that I was proud of and I feel like that happened with school like I was proud of the way I put together my virtual and I was proud of the way I put it together when I came back. Um, and I feel like it really gives me confidence going into next year that, you know, no matter what happens, we're going to do our best and, and that's good enough. And that's good enough. I'm glad you said it just like that. That's good enough. All right, my guy. Well, I know that you um, got to jump back because your next class is about to start. But uh, thanks yeah. everybody for tuning in to this uh, episode of Value Adds Value. And we'll be back with you soon next week with another uh, important question. Yeah. And real quick, before we let you go, I have to say this. As you ramp up to get into your summer, everybody, you know, July is really that summer month that everybody loves July. I mean, I know we we both are kind of partial to July. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As we ramp up to get into our summer months, I don't want us as educators to forget that this is the best time for us to really reflect and build upon what we did last year. We've had a month to kind of let it simmer, let it stew, and now we can start ramping up to say, okay, now what do I need to become to be my best version of myself for my students next year? And whether it means physically, whether it means emotionally, whether it means mentally, whatever it means, we have to make sure that during this month of July, as we're getting ready to go into and going into our, you know, get ready before we start the year, that we keep that in the, in the front part of our mind, that not the back, the front to say, what do I need to become to be the best version of myself? It may be to let go and relax so you're not so wound up and so tight through the year. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start yoga as soon as summer school's over with. I'm going to start doing yoga three days a week. Paid for the class already, so I can't back out of it. You know what I mean? So it's like when you do those things, it, you have to know what do you need to, what do you need to be the best version of yourself and give it to you in these last four weeks before we get back in it. 
All right. Well, fam, thanks for checking out this episode of Value as Value. We will be back with you soon.